You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Celtics Stuff Live with your hosts Justin Poulin and John Duke. Welcome to Celtics Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for your Boston Celtics. And John, it looks like we're going to have a season. The draft is right around the corner. And trade rumors abound. So we have plenty to talk about. We took a couple of weeks off. Thank you, politics. And now we're back. And seriously, like the draft is in nine days. But it looked like for a little while there that there was not going to be a season until into the new year. And I think you actually predicted that you were pretty certain that this was going to go before Christmas. Looks like it will, December 22nd. But... I was I, I got to be honest with you. I was not I was pretty skeptical that that was going to happen. I, I kind of felt like it, they were going to push it back a little bit. The short off season. You even look at the NFL. You know, people are going to be worried about injuries and things like that, and uh, you know, players missing time potentially with COVID diagnoses and all of that. Um, and it's going to be a little bit different the way they do it this season than what we saw with the bubble. So I'm interested. My interest has peaked, but I I am happy that we're not going to have a big, you know, long drawn out off season um, that winds up staggering two more seasons. This at least gives the NBA the opportunity to get back on schedule if the world is back on schedule a year from now. It does. I mean, the problem the problem with the whole thing with the draft, not the draft, but. You know, getting things going. You had to you had the draft. You had to have free agency. You know, you had to you know kind of set up the the whole structure of what the league was going to look like for the next you know nine months or what have you. But the whole the whole issue was money. You know, it was all about money. And I understand the players wanted to push it out. They wanted to wait. They wanted to have more time between the end of the season and uh, and when the, the season would start. End of last season, the start of the new season. I, I completely understand that, but. You know, the issue is is that you've got, you've got teams, eight teams, eight NBA franchises, haven't played a game since March 13th. You know, <laughs> I mean, this is, it's going to be almost nine months, months actually, since the last time. Well, and, and, and think about all the fringe players, you know, oh, with, sure. with small contracts. It's one thing if you've made, if you're a star 
and you've made millions several years in a row now, right, uh, right. you can survive this. But there's actually a lot of players. This is literally their livelihood. And Absolutely. they've dedicated their Absolutely. whole life to it. I'm not saying that that's worth anybody's life. I'm not, you know, taking a position on COVID when I say that. But no. at the end of the day, when you sit down and you're really talking about that as a union, I'm sure that there are a number of voices, you know, inside the NBA players union that have made that very same point. Listen, easy for you to say you're a millionaire and you can sit on that for a while. But, you know, the rest of us. You know, there's many of them that are still grunting it away. You know, they might have just made it up. And and even then, the stars are going to have to take a hit financially. You don't play games. You don't play as many games. You don't put stands, uh, fans in the stands. There's just not enough money to go around. And they were going to feel that crunch, too. Because the reality is, you can't keep getting that huge salary. Um, the league's going to go under if if you're not playing games. They, they don't put stands in the fans either. So no, I don't they think don't. you're wrong on that. Thank goodness. Um, <laughs> that one, you know, I could, I could rock that one out there, you know, and, and no, nobody's going back at me on that. No, they, no, they, why would they? And why should they? Uh, no, but <laughs> I don't know what the hell that meant. Anyway, uh, yeah, no, listen, like, totally, like, it, it I, I totally understand that it, it, the problem was, is the math problem, right? You can get 72 games in. And this is you. You know, you talked about this. She's like seventy-two games, smaller season, cut it shorter. But like, you gotta have games. You gotta have something on TV. Otherwise, you're not getting your play. You're not getting your TV money. If they don't have TV money, they got nothing. You know. And as it is, literally like, nothing. Literally yeah, nothing. You're you're taking a tremendous haircut. Okay, just to go to seventy-two games. You know the 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 boost in the. Uh, um, you know, the amount that they're withholding, uh, the amount of, of absolute, uh, you know, probably, you know, the cut, outright cut probably in the, in the, in the cap growth. I mean, that's, that's a problem, you know, and their guys are going to lose money over this. So, <laughs> you know, to say, well, we want to start in, in January, you know, and start around Martin Luther King Day, it's fine in theory, but in practice, Someone's going to get paid. And if they want to try to get on a regular schedule, it just wasn't going to happen. So I'm glad it worked out. I'm glad they found a way to kind of work its way through it and finally have a chance to talk about it. Um, I'd be interested to see how the schedule looks because I think that will have a lot of impact in terms of how this really does impact teams. Um, but I, I was, I'm actually, I'm happy about the Christmas day. I, you know, I, I understand, like you said, there's, there's a lot of, issues a lot of problems with covid that that nfl teams and mlb teams and that they all ran into that were not in a bubble environment but like that's the world we're dealing with you know everybody's workplaces are dealing with that well uh, schools are and, dealing with that and, and clearly clearly the nba is committed because think about how difficult it's going to be to manage the draft and then lay out that schedule Mm. <laughs> in this amount of time. Mm. We're talking a month and a half. In a right. month and a half, they have to do the NBA draft and get their schedule figured out. When did training camps open? Do we have a date for that December yet? One. December, December 1. December 1. We're, We're three weeks away. away from camp. Feels yep. like we just finished the season because we did. And then <laughs> and then they've got to figure out what their schedule is going to look like Uh in six weeks from now, and and with all these considerations well, in mind, and their contingency planning, and I, I think, all of it, I, 
Yeah, I think you meant though they got to do their schedule now. Well, right. right. They have to have the, it ready. Start six weeks from yeah. now. And the other piece is that after December one, they're each going to have three scrimmages. You know, three you know against another team. So they're now what helps is that at least there's no concerts. You know, it may be an NHL team that's working on something and that that's really all they're going to have to worry about. So like in the Celtics case, you know, usually there's a battle of trying to figure out, well, what are the Bruins doing? Cause the Bruins are on the building and then what's going on with the concerts? Not as much, you know, to, to worry about in that regard. Um, assuming they're playing at the garden. We, I mean, I don't think we've even heard officially where they're going to play. I mean, I had heard that at some point that there was some talk that they could go to the Arrowback Center and play there. I don't know if that actually would happen, but you know, there's, there was talk of that. So, um, we'll, I, I assume those conversations are going on between, uh, the Celtics and, um, and, and the Bruins, you know, well, PD the guards. conditions, the conditions at the Arrowback Center are probably going to be something that opposing teams would appreciate too. Right. I mean, just sure. think about it. you can come in and you have the whole training facility. Uh, why not? Honestly, you know, yeah. in, the, yeah. in the words of Gary Tangway, why oh, not? Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean, I think I think it's great. I mean, I, I know people are upset and, you know, why didn't LeBron get more time? And this isn't about LeBron. I mean, you got they have three full, you know, eight full franchises. You know, you got what, uh, 15 times eight. I mean, you got like a hundred NBA players that are sitting on the sidelines wondering what the heck's going on. You know, what am I going to play? I mean, <laughs> you know, you can do as much super, superstar ser- service as you want, but when it comes down to it, you got to look at the overall health of the league. Um, and while I, I don't think that this, you know, the bubble was as financially successful as they wanted it to be, but it helped them to, to do what it needed to do, but they didn't schedule. Even the testing, right? The testing was something yeah. that they really, you know, led society in, in a lot of ways, you know, just the way that they approached yep. it and the way they locked it down. And so they had, they had the best go of COVID management their first season out. That's for sure. I mean, it cost them a ton to do it. Yeah, to it run in that environment and, and all that. And, and I, you know, so, they did it. It was successful. I think it was, like you said, I think it for, for society it helped. Um, but I think, you know, now that we've kind of moved past where they were, um, you know, in the summer and you know, where we were as a culture uh, in the spring, I think, you know, and of course we got the news today about Pfizer, whatever happens there. And you probably know more about that than I do, but it seems promising at least that, the, you know, springtime will might be better and, all that. So, you know, I think that there's room for optimism and, and probably the NBA is hoping, that, you know, maybe, um, you know, some things will, will ease up. I don't, I'm not saying about fans or anything like that. I'm just saying easing, easing, you know, easing up from the fact that everything's going up every day and, and, you know, the cases are going up and it's just, it kind of sucks. Um, it, the springtime should be better. That's a good thing. So, uh, I, I think it's exciting. I'm 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 glad to have something to watch. Uh, I'm sure that the NBA will do their darndest to try to make everyone as safe as they can without a bubble environment. But you know, the reality is that even with our best circumstances uh, and doing all we can, people get it, and it, and that sucks. But that's you know, unfortunately, that's kind of where we are. 
So, um, well, well, again, if things do improve, if the treatments improve, they start to be able to vaccinate the more vulnerable parts of the population, you know, um, you know, we, we can really close the gaps on hospitalizations and, uh, and deaths, you know, things will get more comfortable. This gives them an opportunity, though, like I said, to, to get back to the way things were. I think a lot of people were hoping that this would be an experimental ground for a, a total change of the way they do the league. I think we learned they really don't want to change it a ton. Although I'm interested in your take on the playoff format and whether you think that will stick. Not so much whether or not you like it, but – you know, six, what is it? Six through 10 play for the final two, six, seven, no, seven, eight. Yeah. Seven through 10, seven, eight, nine, 10. There's the four. I knew I had it wrong. Uh, They play for two spots. Um, Do you like it? I guess I'm going to ask you both. Do you like it? And do you think it'll stick? I do. Yeah. Yes. And yes. I like it. And I I think it will stick. I think, I think the league found something that makes uh, everything a little bit more interesting, finds it a little bit more, uh, appealing for their fan base. Um, you know, Nobody's ever are, out of it as much. No, and, and, yeah, that and stretch often, is a bunch of teams that are kind of packed in anyway and all hanging on. Right, those teams are cannon fodder usually. Anytime, you know, usually anyway. Uh, but you know, and I don't think it will be as exciting as it was this year with you know Phoenix going eight and zero, and you know, I mean that was that was a unique experience when you play seventy two games or, or eighty two games. I don't think the basketball is going to be, you know, as compelling as what was going to happen with, with, you know, Phoenix and Portland and Memphis. Uh, I don't think you're going to find that on, on a regular basis, but you know, you're always looking for those, what's going to happen uh, scenarios. And I think more teams that are in it in April and March, I think that's better for the NBA. I think, you know, I know they say, Oh, too many teams are in the playoffs, but I, I frankly, I think it adds a little bit more drama, and I think, you know, rather than that, you know, oh, one game here, one game there, you know, following Portland's playing a team that's not even affiliated, are they going to win? Are they sitting all their players type situations? Here, at least, if you're in, if you're close, then you're going to be able to play your way in. And I think, you know, I think that also benefits the teams with normal rest. I thought Portland was hurt by it personally. I thought they had to run too hard by the time they got to. LA, they didn't have much left in the tank, but I think that it, I think it's a good thing if they get regular rest. Now with that condensed bubble schedule, I think I think they'll be more uh, more competitive against those top teams. Yeah. What do you think? Um, yeah, I do. Uh, it's interesting too. Like you have teams that fall down because of injuries. You know, a team like Washington stands out in my mind over the last several years, where they look like they're kind of out of it, but they never fall right to the bottom. Um, And then, you know, if they're able to get everybody healthy, I think we're going to see, you know, maybe a nine or a 10 team somewhere along the way that just has an unlucky season with health and actually climbs in. Do I think that that anybody from seven through 10 is going to make the finals or even the Eastern conference finals? No, probably not. Um, You know, it, it might happen someday, but it's extremely unlikely. You know, you look at Miami, and and they they climbed, but they still weren't that far down, right? They were in the middle, bouncing around what between five and three at any point during yeah. the season. Yeah. And, and so that that seven through ten still, even with injuries, is an issue. But they could definitely make some noise. And everybody loves an underdog. Everybody loves the hope of that. 
And I think that can definitely benefit the league. And I think it'll make some of those, you know, even setting up those early rounds yeah. will be a little more interesting. There'll be a more of a story coming into it rather than, all right, your uh, first place Eastern Conference Celtics going up against, you know, so-and-so, and, uh, Orlando. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, everybody expects this to be a short series. Well, Orlando plays a playoff, you know, does the, the what is it? It's going to take three wins, right? They play, yeah. and then they play the winner. Maybe the, well, maybe, no, I guess I guess if it's a clean sweep, it's two games. And if, if you lose one seed. and go, then it's three, right? Yeah. yeah, if you're the lower CD, it had to win two, but the upper CD only has to win one, so... Yeah, but, you know, that's a great point, though, about the narrative. I hadn't really thought about that, but you're right, and that did happen here. You know, it's kind of like March Madness where that kind of underdog team, and you start, they're kind of scrappy, and they're pulling it together, and you're like, I like those guys. You know, usually, you know, usually they're not well-regarded teams that are going in there against these, you know, heavyweight teams, you know, the Lakers or you know, Milwaukee or, you know, the the Warriors in, you know, recent years. Now you've got, like, there's a rooting interest to root for the underdog, you know? And I think that's, I think that you're right. I hadn't really thought about that. Yeah, build some drama. And they need it. And they They need it because you know what they're doing instead right now? They're, (laughs) not that I'm bitter, they're extending (laughs) series in certain rounds where they think, you know, where they think they can get viewers but to your point, you know, Portland didn't quite have the leg, didn't have the legs. You know, every, they're always fine with that top seed just blowing through it. And I know it didn't work out for Milwaukee either, but they're fine with the top seed just blowing through it because they're trying to build drama in the more closely seeded, you know, games. But then those end up going seven so that the NBA can max it out. And anybody who tells me that there isn't maneuvering there is full of it, right? Otherwise, there would be years where a bunch of series only go four or five games and they keep moving along in the postseason. But for some reason, that just doesn't happen. So anyway, the point being, I think this will help with that a little bit. It, I think it will help build some drama and uh, and maybe oh, maybe it'll make it worse. Honestly, it could make I suppose now that I'm even hearing myself talk, it could make it worse. It could absolutely make that that drama. Piece. But maybe it would happen against the number one team. Right. You get that upstart, you know, again, maybe it's the Orlando Magic. You get that upstart team that, you know, is getting a little bit older and, da, 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 and they're ready to make some noise. And the next thing you know, you know, they're playing the. The first place, Bucks, Celtics, Raptors, Philly, maybe even who knows at some point. And, um, you know, they're, they're making a statement and that thing drags out seven. Like if you think back to the, the, what was it? The year against the Hawks in, uh, the 08 championship, right? In that first round, like that thing got drug out. That could, you know, that you could see that happen. So anyway, uh, let's move on to the draft and, uh, I know this is your favorite time of the year, so I really don't want to rob you of of your <laughs> of your draft bonanza. And we have a few different things we're going to be talking about, but I, I'm going to throw the ad read in here from BetOnline.ag. NFL football continues this week, which has a few surprise teams at the top of the standings, and you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on all the action at BetOnline. No matter how schedules change or players that play, 
Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure that you can get in on every game this season with the fastest updated odds in the industry. There are always more options to wager than anywhere else online. Head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great midseason bonuses, offers, and contests. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. All right, what are you betting on in the draft? Any chance the Celtics move up? Do you even want them to move up? We can always talk a little bit about our boy Kevin O'Connor and his draft guy if we want to go into that a little bit as well. Yeah, I, you know, well, let's let's talk about the like what it is, right? So, what everyone seems to say is like there's there's one through three, and then there's everybody else. Like it, it kind of goes like four to like you know four to nine, and then like ten to like twenty. That's kind of like there's like three tiers there. But the thing is, is like everyone feels like if you're in the middle of the draft, like where the Celtics are, you can get a player who's like a good role player. And, you know, what do the Celtics need? They got their star, right? Jason Tatum is the man, right? He is the guy. He's the straw that stirs the drink, right? So then what? We got a number two guy in Jalen Brown who can D up the best player on the other team and, you know, but provide offense. And he's still growing and developing. Got him tied up. Both guys tied down long term. So then what? Like, what do you need? I mean, you pick best player available. I had a great little running thing going on with Danger Cart today about, What's the value? Shooter in a big. Shooter in a big. Just like on the last show. Right. Right. So to me, like where the Celtics are, I think that that if there's a guy that they want, so they get ahead of everybody on the on the on the list, they can probably move up. I think that there's going to be teams. You know, you look at who's available, um, or should say, who's at those next kind of, you know. Four, you know, from four down, all of those teams want to get out of that spot. They want to, they want to build. They want to. Be, they haven't had winning teams in a long time. Whether it's you know the Wizards or the Cavs or the Pistons or the Knicks or the Hawks, um, Phoenix. I mean, none of those teams have been in the playoffs in a long, long time. Um, Hawks, I guess, more recently, you know, with those Al Horford teams. But it's been a while. Well, right? so let me throw this at you. I never like picking older players in the draft in the past. Yep. And and a big reason for that though is because you know I want players that have more upside. But right. you just you just brought up a great point. You got Jason Tatum, you know, you got Jalen Brown, I mean even a Marcus Smart. Um and and I said shooter in a big, but they could they could still use a point guard, a backup point guard and then get a little more flexibility with whatever they do with Marcus, but these rookies, there's, there's, you know, we know how Brad plays them. We know how Doc played them. Jeez. We know how hard it is for them to get minutes. But then you look at a player like Grant Williams, who got a good amount of time, and he was an older player that they picked. But you're kind of getting that rookie veteran, and they're not necessarily the same as having a veteran. But outside of them being able to package some of these picks you know, or do some sort of like slice and dice kind of package with, with Hayward, um, you know, getting some veterans, you know, and veteran help, they're pretty much just going to have, you know, what the vet minimum, maybe something along that line, or one of the exceptions. They got the MLE. They can use tech. All right. So they got the, they got the MLE. That'll help them get one. But if they're going to make these picks, I'm actually in favor with getting a little bit, 
you know, older. And I don't know. Who knows? Like you said, after four, it all mixes up. You know, yeah. like Toppin might drop down a little bit. Um, and that's he, – he's a guy I would not have wanted in drafts previous, right? Mm-hmm. Like 22.2 years old. Um, <laughs> you know, that's that's way out of my age range, man. I'm going 19 and change and under. You know, if it says Sorry. 20, I don't even look at him in years past. Um, but, but, you know – Maybe like there's a guy you look at, you know, and, and he's still not, he's still, <laughs> he's still not necessarily the, um, um, you know, the veteran type, even though he's an older player. Um, but I, I think you got to look at some of those older guys. So this is what I want to do. And I don't know that anybody else has done this, but if you look at the draft, you have to yeah. pick somebody 20 or older and tell me who the Celtics get, you know, that fits kind of that criteria at 20 or older that maybe is, you know, at least going to make it to 14 or has a shot at being the 14th pick or later. All right, so Jalen Smith, can we agree? I, no, I'm not. I don't think – I don't know. I don't know how to say him. I, I don't know that he's – um, running I think they need defensive. They need a guy who's defense first, I guess, in the middle. Okay. I think they've got enough shooting. Um, a guy who's going to drop to fourteen, who's twenty or older. Um, Sadiq Bay probably be I, the guy. I was just going to say three and D. Yeah. They need. They need. I, I think that if they're going to add, so we're going to talk about Hayward in a second, right? Yeah, but, but what about Precious? Like, no, see, I, I don't think I, – I, I think that they – I don't think they need – I mean, I think that if they're going to get a big, they're going to get somebody like a Congo who is – who's they defense can't get first. Up that high. Well, I, yeah, I think – I don't think necessarily he's going to be – I mean, Kevin O'Connor's got him third. I, I don't know necessarily he's going to go that high. He could. He could. But do you it think he's going like to make it 14? Like, I don't know. Well, I, but I think you can trade into – that's what I'm saying is I think there, there's teams there that are going to want either more picks and still get a quality player. If they're smart, um, they'll want more picks, at more you know, more swings of the bat. So if you put 14 and 626 together, I think you can get in the lower, you know, that 7, 8, 9 range, you know. And if you can do that – All right, then you can't you trade up. Where's, what about Cole Anthony? I get what you're saying. Yeah. We can go back to that. But what about, like, you know. No. I don't like Cole Anthony. I mean, he's. Because he's he plays, the, played for North Carolina? Uh, uh, no, no, no. Come I mean, on. he's just. He's. he's uh, his shooting isn't there right now. Now, I could get there. I mean, he's kind of got that. He's not that great a size. Um, you know, he's. I don't think. He doesn't. He doesn't do All much. Right. All right, I moving to... down. I'm just working the ages here. What What about Flynn? Like, I, I think the thing that you need to get is you need to get somebody who's low, either a good secondary playmaker, you need somebody who's a shooter, somebody who's a defender. Like, low, you know, kind of low usage. That's not Cole Anthony. Now, if you're saying he's your, your, your guard coming off the bench who's going to, like, come in and be a spark plug, maybe, but I, I, I'd rather have players out. If I'm picking the first round, I want to at 14. 
I want to pick players who can play with and complement Jalen and Jason really well. Yeah, yeah, That's I get my, that. I, I get I that, but they're still – you go with those younger players and you got to understand they're just not going to get minutes next year anyway. I know you're saying long-term and, and whatnot. I'm, I'm there. But what it, what about drafting older so, players? Right, that, a lot of people they think, can trust just because of the experience yeah. level. Like again, going to uh, Flynn from San Diego State, twenty-two year old, can run the pick and roll, can shoot from outside, ready for the pros. Not going to be, you know, limits mistakes, etc. You know, everything that I'm just reading off here, but. You yeah, know, I, did, I didn't really watch any college ball. I don't know fringe, any of these prospects. Yeah, but he's, dude. I think he's fringe second rounder. I think you could get him at thirty or you get him at twenty six. So I don't think I don't think you spend fourteen on a guy like that. You know, I think if you're if you're picking fourteen, you're gonna get somebody. Who's oh, gonna oh, oh, you misunderstood. I'm talking about a top to bottom. Like if you could take older oh. guys with any of the three picks, you know what I mean. Uh, and you're and you're going over over the age of twenty, you know it could be one of those later picks. I'm not necessarily saying the second round because because I think with the second round you're you know you're into Carson Edwards territory, right? Well, but but right. I'm, uh, but I'm saying older players maybe you have, even if you pick them up a little bit early because the talent drop off isn't huge at a certain point. You're just trying to go like I'm saying. Are there guys that you could pick with any of these three picks? that are in college that could play a little bit more like a pro and give them, you know, a lift. Cause even Miami got that last year. Right. Yeah. But, yeah, but, but that, that's kind of against hype there because hero is, is young, you know, like that, like, I don't think age uh, last the, 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 to me, the, what you learn from last year, the age isn't the deciding factor, right? It, Carson Edwards is going to turn 23. I think before before we start the season, maybe pretty close. You know, I mean, he's he's an older player, right? He's going to be twenty three. He went, you know, he's twenty two uh, now. Um, you know, he was kind of an older player, and it, you know, it didn't work out. So I think you need a lot of things. You need opportunity. You need you know the right skill set. You know, you need to have um, and you need to complement what your needs are, right? And Carson Edwards, everything was teed up for Carson Edwards to come in. And be that bench scorer for them. And the problem was he couldn't, he wasn't able to score efficiently or score at all in some cases. So I think it's, I think it's much more about, I hate to say team need, but I think it's much more about opportunity, particularly for one of those older players, because you're not looking at what their potential is down the road. You're looking at like really like right here and now, right? You know? So I, I, I would never look at it like, I, I don't say never, but I think. If I'm looking for something for immediate contributions, I need to not look at the draft. You know, that, I think that's a problem when you start to do. They got to move these picks then. They might as well punt well, it and use it for filler yeah. later. They, they got to move them. Uh, well, I don't. Yeah, I I hear what you're saying. I I mean, I think I would try to take a swing at the bat with one. That's why I think packaging them and moving up makes a ton of sense. Get the one guy who's better than all the other guys in that middle range. And if you hold on to 30 and you take a drafting stash or you hold on to 30 and that's somebody who you think is maybe more prepared to play now, like, like everyone's been mocking Killian Tilly to the, to the Celtics as a big, skilled big who gets hurt a lot, but 
you know, he can, he can do quite a bit and probably if he was healthy, he'd have been a lottery guy, you know, two years ago, but, um, he's, you know, he's kind of that Brad Stevens type, you know, guy who can shoot and score. I mean, kind of like, kind of like what a Linux should have been <laughs> 30th pick, you know, who kind of works out for you. Not somebody you take ahead of Giannis, but you know, alas, we're going to move on. Um, you know, I, I but I, I yeah, I, I think the, to me, the biggest question for Celtics, from the Celtics perspective is like, what do you need? What do you value? You know, what do you need on this team long term? You know, you've got, you've got a, um, a Rob Williams type, that kind of long lean jumper that not sure he knows where he's got to be on a given circumstance. You had Grant Williams, who's short and stocky. Um, but not sure, you know, does he have enough, uh, defensive versatility, um, you know, just to, and where do you play him? Can he be the small ball five on a team? You got Romeo who's hurt all the time, but has some good feel. Um, the guard situation is a little bit more suspect. And I think that's why so many, so many mocks have had RJ Hampton or Kira Lewis, you know, um, you know, kind of tagged to the Celtics at 14 because it kind of feels like there's a spot there and they're a little bit thin at that position. On the other hand, if you outside of Romeo, what are the Celtics really don't have many wings for, you know, backup. And then given the way that they play and they want to play, they are a little bit thin at that position. So Danger Card kind of convinced me that, to think a little bit differently about that spot. What about Aaron Naismith? 3D. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. I, I didn't watch a lot of Vanderbilt this year, to be fair, so I can't really say um, that I I have a great feel for him. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure about him. Um, if, if they picked him and they said, and yeah. And they really him. need another wing? I mean, they're so – even with Hayward leaving, they've got Langford there. You know what worries me, too, is, like, shooting. Like, I feel a little bit burned on the, oh, this guy's a great shooter thing, right? I mean, we heard about James Young. We heard about R.G. Hunter. We heard about uh, uh, about Carson Edwards. Like, does it always translate, you know? I mean, it did for Tyler Harrow, but he didn't come to the Celtics, you know? So what, what do we, you know, the Celtics have been taking players who can't shoot, and they teach them to shoot, you know? They haven't done as well with players who can shoot and continue to shoot well. And, and frankly, you look at a lot of players who come out of college, Not it, it's usually they're not like a one-to-one of great shooters who still are great shooters. Um, you know, there's, it, it's not always um, – it doesn't always work the way we want it to in that regard. So it's tough to say. Like, it doesn't always seem to translate. And I don't know if that's opportunity, that's confidence. I'm not sure what that is, but it doesn't seem to always – work well, what has worked well in Boston is taking wings or, you know, flexible players, uh, defensively flexible players who can guard a number of different positions and can be taught to shoot. You know, it worked with Smart, it worked with Jalen, um, and we're going to see what happens with, uh, you know, with Romeo, but that's, I think they've, they've, they've done well with that type of archetype, you know. Um, we'll see if they can do that with, with you know, the next guy. Um, but I, I don't think I wouldn't want to take a, I would want to take players who fit Brad Stevens' system and who fit well with Jalen and Jason. To me. 
You know, like Precious, I don't think is that guy. We've seen so many situations where the Celtics take these big guys, you know, and like their post, they're flex, you know, they're flexible, but you know, they're really much more right around the rim and about rebounding and all that. And it just doesn't seem to translate. You know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they haven't had the right guy, but it just feels like we've tried that. We've gone to that. <laughs> we've played that note one too many times and it just doesn't seem to, seem to hit home, you know? Yeah, I can see where Hampton's a good fit. I really can. All right, we got to move on to Hayward. We might squeeze Gee. in one more show before the draft. But, uh, yeah, you know, we, we wind up hearing – from uh, an old Bostonian, Ryan Rosillo, says that Hayward may want out. I didn't realize Ryan got hired by the ringer, by the way. But he had an oh, awkward, yeah. awkward situation in Boston. Um, but I always liked him. I always liked his takes. I always liked his style. <laughs> but uh, awkward. So anyway, he's 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 on the other <laughs> coast now, apparently. Or he's working from home in Boston for LA based people. He's out there. Boston. No, he's out there. He's out okay, there. Okay. I yeah. thought so. Yeah. So we've, yeah. we've got Kevin, Ryan and Simmons out there. I like yeah. Kevin anyway. No, I do like Ryan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yep. but I, when I, I'll be honest with you. When I first saw that, I went, nah, whatever, you know, yeah. creating the drama, creating the yeah. drama. Why would Herod, why would Hayward want to leave? And then I thought about it some more and I'm like, no, Hayward probably does want to leave. He's positioning for sign and trade. There's no way he's not picking up his option. Yeah. Well, you know what I think it is. is I, you know, and I, I want to give credit to uh, Tom Westerholm and and um, you know his podcast, Junior Time Podcast, um, Nicole Young, uh, Sam Sheehan, because uh, they talked about this today, and there was a report. Um, I want to say in September that I saw came across, nobody really picked it up, but it talked about the fact that the Haywards bought this giant house uh, outside Indianapolis in Fishers, Indiana, like giant house. And then they apparently when they were asked about it, they refused to comment, which is kind of a weird thing, right? Like, you know, there's a way to say like, well, we love Indiana. That's where we're from. And you know, we want to have a base here as well. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, well, it's an easy answer. That. It's an right. easy answer instead of, you know, in by, by opting out of that answer, yep. you know, like a lot of times, I mean, I would get it, but like you said, that was an easy out, you know, I, oh, I love Indy da, 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 and uh, it's where I grew up and we're going to have roots here. We're going to be around friends and family Data, you know, et cetera. But, but not saying anything seems to indicate that, you know, it could divulge tampering or whatever other issues or start rumors ahead of trades and all of that kind of stuff that could be an issue. So, uh, so who do you think is coming back though? Do you think it's definitely Turner? We, well, we, you and I are big fans of Sabonis. That's all yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. Yes, if they could get Sabonis, I would do it tomorrow. I don't think they can. I mean, because the money, they just signed him to a long deal, which I think is great, probably adds to his value. But, you know, you're going to, if you're Indiana, why would you take him? I mean, unless it's a sign and trade, 
but you're going to take a 23 year old center of the future and trade him for a 30 year old, you know, injured, you know, cornerstone maybe, but I, that just seems like a lot for a sign. What trade. can we give them to sweeten the pot? Right. I mean, you could give them Langford and that, that opens up a wing yeah. or a three and D in the draft, you know, position yep. on the roster. Um, you'd have to do like a, probably a big, you'd probably have to get, I mean, cause you got a lot of bigs on the roster and you'd have to talk about a, you know, you got to talk about Rob. You probably would have to talk about twenty six or thirty. I mean, I, I think it would be pretty pricey to to get him uh, because I mean, he's he's all star caliber player. Uh, to bonuses, you know, I, I don't think you can. I, I don't think there's a way they can make that work, honestly. But would I love it? Yeah, hell yeah. I mean, I'd sign up for that. But I, I just to me, it seems like you're gonna get. You like Sabonis way more than Turner. Like, do you, do you think, I mean, is it just not even close for you? The idea of, of Turner is better, but the practice and the reality of Turner hasn't matched up and his inability to defend consistently. You don't want to take a gamble. You want a guy who's going to play the game the right way and can rebound. Well, I like what Sabonis' passing opens up for them. I think his rebounding is good. I think he can shoot the ball well. I mean, he's he doesn't have the defensive abilities of, of a uh, like an Aaron Baines, but Aaron was able to set screens um, and and add shooting and uh, you know do enough to keep them you know a diff- to be a difficult team. I I could see you know, kind of a Jokic light um, situation if he was here. He's not going to have the, the, the usage, but, you know, to be able to turn your your big man into, you know, the pivot of your of your passing, kind of like what they were doing with Horford here last year, I think that just opens up so much for the Celtics. And Sabonis is much more the type. I just don't think it's going to happen. I, I, I don't want to even believe it. You yeah. just even mention it to me is, is kind of like putting me in a position where I'm like, well, maybe I really should not do that because it's just setting me up for failure. <laughs> but that would be fantastic. But they really can't roll with Sabonis and Turner, it doesn't seem like. I don't – they got to pick. And that's why I think – So if you're going to make a deal, I think you got to gamble. I, I actually think Sabonis might be the easier one for them in some respect. And – you know, a better match with the Celtics for all the reasons you just said, right? Like they could keep developing Rob Williams or they could get somebody like Sabonis who plays fundamentally the right way, can still defer to Tatum and Brown. And and here's the thing. He can rebound. So whatever you're losing in defense, like I'm just so sick of getting killed on the glass. I thought that Canner would get some more minutes in certain circumstances, but that's not the case. But Sabonis can shoot from the outside, and he can get those rebounds. I, I'm willing to give up defense in today's NBA. You got to clamp down and you got to play hard. But the switchability of this team—do you think that Sabonis hurts their switchability a little bit, though? Because I could oh, see, no. yeah, I can see no, where no. that that might be a bit of a challenge. But but who picks on him? Who picks on him that that Brown and Tatum and Smart can't rotate over to cover? Well, yeah, I, well that's that's true. But it, you know, when you have Kemba and you have Sabonis, you have two players who are not positive defenders out there too. So that's that's 
you're already doing work to hide Kemba. Now you gotta now you gotta hide your big too. That that is problematic for a number of reasons. Um, you know, I I mean, do I I think that Sabonis, um, you know, the numbers actually defensively. Now, now that I'm looking at, I just kind of went into the thing defensively. Sabonis and and uh, and Turner had the same D rating. <laughs> last year, which is kind of interesting. They both, 105, uh, both of them had 105 defensive rate. I mean, they had 100 possessions. They, they, the other teams scored 105 points both times. Um, so there was, they were, they, when they were on the court, there was as bad defenders evenly. Um, I think the, the reason why I think it's Turner is because I think he's worn out as welcome in Indiana. And I don't think you're going to get anything of value without giving up too much, maybe, on Boston's side of it. Um, you know, some people have said, well, you know, should you get, you know, kind of like a two nickels for a dime type deal for Hayward? You know, add some depth, but at the same point, hit a couple different spots, you know, maybe a big and a shooter or, um, you know, a, or maybe a point, a backup point guard. You know, th- that's another way to go with it. But I feel like the Celtics need to focus on who are the best five, who are the five that they need to, to roll with. That's what I want to see with this Hayward trade. I'd like to see on this Hayward trade is that they turn Hayward into the guy who's part of their new, um, you know, closing lineup. You know, and I'm not sure that that Tice is that guy. He's got one more year on his deal. I'm just not sure that, you know, that that he has enough to make it go. I don't think he can play the minutes consistently to, to be their starting center. Uh, just I'm just not a, a believer in that. So. I would, but the guy who is that has to be a defending. That's why I was talking about a Congo, talking about, you know, the draft. The problem is he's 20 or 19 and he's not going to be ready to probably do that next year. No, so no way. It's, it's a problem, you know, but maybe the, the answer is you trade up in the draft and you trade Hayward and you, yeah, get, you get a guys. package them together. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, you have the long term answer, but you get some short term help that can help you to, be competitive, but also have that guy who is your backup big, who is really going to be the the answer, um, you know, come you know 2020, I guess the 2021-22 season. Yeah, because that's the other thing. Real quick, is that there's no training camp. I mean, how much can you really learn of a team in three? No, weeks? we said that on the last show. The draft yeah. is these. That's why I'm saying these players are useless. Unless they're in their 20s. It's exactly why I went down that path. You know what I mean? Because it's like, what do you do here? So trades, we shall see. We have more time to discuss it. May have one more show before we hit the draft. Maybe not. We'll see what happens in between. A lot of work for these front offices and the NBA in a very short period of time. But the players committed. We're going to have it. And it's going to be right back into the NBA season before you know it, everybody. So uh, I'm I'm glad we're not going to have the the August doldrums this season. But <laughs> we we had uh, we had an April, May, June, and uh, maybe early July doldrums. So here we are. Uh, will be interesting. But that's going to do it for this week's episode of Celtic Stuff Live. I really appreciate. Everybody listening and a heartfelt thank you. You can follow Celtic Stuff Live on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify. We'd appreciate a rating and a review. Your feedback is important to the show. 
And for John and myself, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Celtic Stuff Live. <laughs>